0: This is Relentless Daring on Podbean.com. Welcome to the land of bourbon and bad decisions. This is Relentless Daring live on Podbean.com and the Podbean app. So, before I really get started, I would like to say that I have a new partner with advertising on the show. Well, advertising, it's an affiliate. You have to buy stuff for me to make money. Please buy stuff. Please. I'm asking nicely. <laughs> Steve is excited because the audio is actually working on the live stream. Yeah. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, the world of live media. You never know when it's going to go to hell in the handbasket. So anyways, without further ado, a little uh, little plug for my new sponsors at Keto Chow. I want to talk to you about Keto Chow. Keto Chow is a small company out of Utah that uses the absolute best ingredients to make the absolute best weight loss products available on the market. Their first goal is flavor. Who wants to drink something as a meal replacer that tastes like crap? Keto Chow understands that this is a hard barrier for a lot of companies to break through. So they have some of the best flavors, cookies and cream, chocolate, vanilla, real strawberry. These are the best shakes I've ever had. I've been using them for a few months now, and they are amazing. So go to the link in the show notes. Check it out. You can search for recipes on how you can use their keto chow products to make amazing foods that taste amazing and help with your weight loss goals. KetoChow.xyz keto made easy. Yeah. So huge shout out to keto chow and accepting me to hawk their goods again. Like I said, like I said in the ad, I've been using it for a few months now and oh my God, it's freaking amazing. So, getting into it tonight, I, I feel like a feel like a Dickens novel on this on this episode, A Tale of Two Courts. It was, it was the best of courts. It was the worst of courts. Except we're not talking plagues. We're not talking London and Paris and all sorts of horrible nineteenth century squalor and just. God awfulness. So I want to start off with the good story because good stories at least makes the stupid that comes later somewhat more palatable. So with all the dumb in the world, and especially when with Biden coming in and so many of Donald Trump's policies being thrown to the wayside really without any regard to their effects we have just been awash in controversy. One of the biggest ones is the border. Uh, When Alejandro Mayorkas took over as the HHS secretary, one of the first things he did was eliminate the whole uh, Remain in Mexico policy. Well, he got slapped around a little bit uh, this week. Uh, this, This is from... Uh, Washington times judge orders DHS to restart Trump's remain in Mexico policy. Hey, hey. Oh, lady die has joined the club. I'm glad you can hear you might not be by the end of it, but Hey, at least one of us is excited. President Biden got back to, to his vacation Friday, spending time at camp David as the Taliban roars across Afghanistan and other crises mount on the home front. Mr. Biden is expected to spend the weekend at the presidential retreat in Maryland's Catoctin Mountains before continuing his summer holiday next week at his home in Wilmington. Blah, 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 blah. Yeah, and Mr. Biden's Homeland Security Secretary acknowledged this week the administration is facing a serious challenge at the southern border. In July, U.S. Customs and Border Protection apprehended 212,672 people, the highest total in two decades. A president has access to secure communications and other trappings of Oval Office power, whether White House, Camp David, aboard Air Force One, or relaxing at a civilian residence. Nevertheless, the timing of Mr. Biden's vacation provoked criticism. Congressman Andy Biggs, Arizona Republican, branded Mr. Biden as the commander in absentia. Oh my gosh. This is like the worst. I would like to apologize because apparently people have crappy ways of associating headlines and stories because nothing there's a whole lot of crap going of all, going on in that story that had nothing to do with the headline. Anyways, a federal judge in all of their wisdom, had decided that you know this whole. All right, so apparently, it just printed the wrong stupid thing. A federal judge ordered Homeland Security to restart President Trump's Remain Mexico policy ruling Friday that the Biden administration cut too many corners when it scrapped the get tough approach to illegal border crossers. <laughs> Dear look. It's weird. I printed off of this page. But for some reason, it sent, ladies and gentlemen, live media where everything that can go wrong probably will at some point be expecting lightning to strike me and this thing to go dead at a moment's notice. So, anyways, uh, Judge Matthew uh, Kismeric said the HHS security... HHS HSS Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas rushed to scrap the policy official known as the Migrant Protection Protocols without considering the benefits of pushing border jumpers back across the boundary to Mexico to await their immigration court dates. Huh! You think? Particularly at a time when the government is defying U.S. law by catching and releasing illegal immigrants that are supposed to be detained, the judge said the MPP was a viable alternative and the Biden team need to give more than a cursory explanation for ending it. Quote, defendants are ordered to enforce and implement MPP in good faith until such time as it has been lawfully rescinded in compliance with the administrative procedures act. And until such time as the federal government has sufficient detention capacity to detain all aliens subject to mandatory detention, the judge wrote. Wow Really? And well, hold on. I'm live googling as we speak. I gotta find this find this guy's name because I don't I wanna know who put him in that office. Do, 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 do. Matthew J. Kesmerick do, do, do. <laughs> yeah, I know, I have such a, such amazing uh, background music. Ah, it's a Trump appointee. I'm I'm shocked. So many Trump appointees have screwed us over in the past that this is actually a good win for Donald Trump. Yay! So, yeah. We, here we have a judge who's actually going, wait, 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 wait. We put this policy in place, but now you're just ignoring it. And on top of it, you're doing catch and release with you know border crossers who are testing positive for COVID. I mean, this is the most deadly virus in all of humanity, or at least that's what they want us to think. That's what the narrative is, that, oh, my God, we're all going to die. Yet, we can turn around and just release these people? Take them to small border towns and turn them loose? Put them on airplanes and fly them halfway across the country and seed the COVID virus throughout middle America? But it's inhumane to say no, 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 no. We know you, we know you made it to the border. But while we're processing your asylum claim, that you're doing illegally because you're not at a port of entry, you're in the middle of the river, nowhere near a port of entry. You're going to go back home and wait. You're just going to get a hotel over there and wait. Yeah, but uh, nice to say ni says it wasn't all right for Trump to end the illegal DACA program. I know, because it, it shouldn't even have a final A on DACA because it wasn't an act. It, I mean, it, it, it was an act, just it didn't go through Congress. It was an act of uh, presidential fiat. But, you know, if Donald Trump, any he did an executive order to change anything... Hey, that's fascism! He's a he's an autocrat an authoritarian! Oh, my God! No. He's doing like every other president before him. Like Barack Obama, who essentially ruled, I mean... <clears throat> pardon me. <coughs> ruled. <clears throat> Man, I have something stuck in my throat. Um, who... He presided over national policy with a phone and a pen. Even though he said phone and a pen is not the right way to do it, he did it anyways because, hey, let's face it, 90% of politicians, regardless of what side of the political aisle they are on, don't give a damn about principles. They give a damn about power because power is good. Power is great. Power makes makes things happen. Power. Anyways, going on the this story, uh, the decision is a severe blow to the Biden team's effort to roll back Mr. Trump's immigration policies and a victory for Texas Attorney General Ken Paxton. Ladies and gentlemen, I give you poor editing. The man's name is Ken Paxton. They have it spelled K-A-N, Ken Paxton. Ugh. And Missouri Attorney General Eric Schmidt, who brought the lawsuit. MPP, which was announced in late 2018, but really kicked into gear in the summer of 2019, helped solve the 2019 border surge by discouraging people who had been jumping the border and lodging bogus bogus immigration claims. Forcing them to wait, Mexico denied them the foothold in the U.S. that had previously enjoyed while waiting years for their court dates. This goes on. uh, Judge Kazmierczak said it wasn't a good enough basis, which would be the Questions. He had questions about that conclusion on on why this policy. That's why my my Orca said, yeah, we're going to stop this because, well, we have questions. We're not really going to look into, you know, find out what the answers to the questions are. We have questions, questions. You know, we question this. So the judge like, yeah, um, ending it because you don't know what the actual policy outcome is versus, Hey, we know this policy outcome bad. So we're going to get rid of it. That makes sense. But just because eh, I don't know, I think they might be implementing it wrong. So we're going to end it without knowing if it's actually having a negative effect or not. That's um, I, that, that's like withdrawing from the Olympics before you compete, before you can even compete, because you might you might turn an ankle while doing while you run up to the long jump or something. I don't know. It just goes on and on, but don't worry. Like I said, this is a tale of two judges. And the other tale, again, another news story from Friday, is equally is equally stupid as the other one was equally brilliant. Federal judge upholds the eviction moratorium. Bump, bump, bum. Oh, wait. You ever forget you have a sound bed right there you can use? <laughs> no, you look like an idiot. I see the new producer has found that button. Thanks, Wrigley. You are so awesome. Thank you so very much. Seriously, get get off the buttons. No. No. You can't hire a good parrot to help you out these days. So any who's. A federal judge ruled Friday that the Biden administration could continue to enforce its new eviction moratorium, but cast doubt on its legality. Oh my, oh no. The court's hands are tied, Judge Friedrich wrote in her decision. The Supreme Court did not issue a controlling opinion in this case, and circuit precedent prevents or provides that the votes of dissenting justices may not be combined with that of a concurring justice to create binding law. Wait, wait, wait. But, uh, you can have judges who are not elected to create laws who legislate from the bench. That's perfectly legal. That's that's a-okay. But... If you have dissenting judges who say, yeah, um, we, we agree with the majority on this one thing, but we disagree with the overall, with the overall outcome, the overall ruling. They can't take the agreement and add it to, uh, so while Justice Brett Kavanaugh again be talking judges later uh, hinted the federal government couldn't extend the moratorium by dictate. yes, that was the ruling opinion when the Supreme Court the Supreme Court never said it was unconstitutional for the CDC to get involved in financial policy and telling landlords that hey your renter who refuses to go out and get a job and therefore has fallen behind on rent and you're going to lose that property to the bank because they're not paying rent therefore you are not paying the mortgage on that property yeah you can't throw them out the supreme court said That was 100% hunky-dory. And a 5-4 decision, they said that was hunky-dory. They just... Oh, but... The only way you can extend it is if you... uh, As if it goes to Congress and Congress passes it. The mealy-mouthed... Panty-waisted absolute garbage stance on that ruling so now the constitutionality is that well they can't extend the moratorium by executive fiat that was put in place by executive fiat and biden has already come out and said yeah we'll let it work its way through the courts but until then they'll be so bogged down with everything that you know it won't matter we'll 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 help we'll help enough people out between now and then. I've been saying for a while that, you know, personal property rights are going out the window. I mean, when the federal government can come in and say, yeah, you can't kick that renter out. uh, It's my damn property. If they're not paying me to live there, they can go somewhere else and stay for free. They can go sleep on their buddy's couch. I'm sorry, but you know, I have to pay a mortgage. I have to pay utilities. I have to pay for upkeep. There's a million and one things that I have to pay for out of that rent money before I even see a nickel of profit. You know, my house that I live in, well, we first moved here, it was a rental. We were paying just above the mortgage payment on this piece of property until we bought it. Then we were taking the same amount of money that we were paying to the landlords who were its like, yes, they wanted to rent it, but ultimately they wanted to sell it and they just happened to, find renters who were willing to buy it because this was just an albatross on them. <laughs> Princess D says the federal government is so out of touch with the constitution. They came to decide who is allowed to break the rules. <laughs> and Diane says, constitution. What's that? Or as uh, Chris Matthews would say, what's that? Who pays your salary? What's that? And then I would sing the most downloaded song on iTunes ever in the history of iTunes, except um, I don't want this to get a strike for copyright violation against Mr. Pat Gray. I'm sorry, I can't do it. I don't even have a guitar to play along, so it'd just be a horrible... Horrible imitation, not even a proper tribute. It's a lose-lose situation, folks. Yeah, so, uh, let's see. Just, oh, Columbia's district court judge. Oh, my gosh, that's a mouthful. Uh, Let's see, Judge Dabney Friedrich ruled that the moratorium, which prohibits landlords from evicting low-income tenants who cannot afford to pay their rent, could be enforced since a Supreme Court majority technically ruled it was constitutional. A Supreme Court majority had written a previous version of the moratorium was legal, but that Congress would need to approve the future moratoria. Okay, so it's in the ruling, it's in the ruling, it has to be approved by Congress. Yet this judge just said, hey, those people up there at the Supreme Court who told, who said this, I'm ignoring you. The court's hands are tied. The Supreme Court did not issue a controlling opinion in this case, and Circuit President provides that the votes of dissenting justices may not be combined with that of concurring justice to create binding law. Justice Brett Kavanaugh writing for a 5-4 majority. 5-4 <laughs> majority. You know, for having six justices, you know, conservatives... Does it sound like for a court with six conservatives, they have a lot of 5-4 rulings? I mean, come on. Come on, man. Justice Brett Kavanaugh, writing for a 5-4 majority, said in June that the eviction moratorium could stay in place while he hinted the federal government couldn't extend it by dictate. Friedrich said it was unclear which justices on the court agreed with this view, and therefore she was unable to strike the moratorium down. I mean, if it's in the opinion of the majority that's being hinted at that, hey, uh, yeah, Congress really should do this, it doesn't matter what the minority said. It doesn't matter what the other justices in the majority said. It's in the freaking ruling. And more than likely, whoever was put in charge of writing the opinion, they all got together before the opinion was written and they said, here is what what we need it to say. Here's what the basics that we want to cover. Here is why we are ruling this way. Now, every now and then you will get a concurring opinion from a judge who says, yes, I stand in agreement with the actual ruling, but here is here is my slightly different take on it that is in line with their ruling." Steve said, "Well, we have six conservatives in Scotus. I'm not even sure we have three. Honestly, I I think we have I think we have two. You know, because we we do have uh, you know, we do have Thomas. The only thing I don't agree with Thomas on is when he says that st- you know students or the youths of America." who are not of the age of majority, don't have full constitutional rights. I I don't agree with that whenever he rules in that, that way. And, okay, we have Thomas. Okay, okay. We have one. We have Thomas. Oh, boy. And we have Alito. We still have Alito. So, so we do have two. Uh, but it's it's yeah, it's it's sad that, you know Donald Trump packed the courts. Oh my god, he packed the courts. Yeah, so it just goes on to say the White House had asked Congress to extend it, and then, um, then Congress went on vacation. Yes, they went on their vacation and allowed it to sunset. Because, again, the people in power, they don't give a damn about their constituents. If they're Democrats who are in power, they don't care about the Republicans that they represent. They don't really care about the Democrats they represent. They care about themselves. So of course Congress isn't wasn't going to act because eh, we paid our we paid our mortgage payments. We paid our rent. You know, we made sure we only rented out to people who we knew would be paying on those houses that we'd rent out. So yeah, uh, those, uh, all those, uh, all those, uh, debtors. Sorry, screw you. So, that's, now we have to get into how Donald Trump is the worst court packer in the history of court packing. Now, keep in mind, our Supreme Court has never been been technically packed has it had overwhelming majorities of one political leaning over the other yes or in this case supposed political leanings but does that mean that you know the court's been packed no the last major example of the potential for court packing was all the way back in the 1930s under President FDR. See, under FDR, he started having some issues with his uh, Green New Deal policies where the Supreme Court was going, yeah, that's unconstitutional, can't do that. Yeah, that's unconstitutional, can't do that. Hey, dude, Frankie, yo, you can't do this. If you don't keep, if you don't stop doing this, we're going to take your wheelchair and you'll be stuck in the Oval Office until you get it right. So then, FDR, with, you know, thinking he had support from the Congress, like, hey, you know what? Hey, if you guys aren't going to support these, uh, aren't going to support these New Deal, laws that and executive orders that we're pushing through um i'm just gonna fill we're just gonna expand the court and i'm gonna fill with a bunch of uh, sycophants who will do exactly what i want well and that's what they were accusing donald trump of doing because he had not just one seat come open during his presidency well technically it came open during the obama presidency it's just that the, Senate, the Republican-controlled Senate used their uh, constitutional power of advising consent to say, yeah, we don't consent, so we're not even going to hold a hearing. Perfectly legal. Not saying it was the best way to go about it, but, hey, now instead of uh, Justice Merrick Garland. We have Attorney General Merrick Garland, and, Just me saying his name in that context is going to make me look like a domestic terrorist and should probably be taken off the streets and uh, disappeared. I mean, gently escorted to a wonderful summer camp and then all my property is redistributed to those who need it more than I do. But anywho's, I'm going to take a quick break, and I will come back, and I will get into all the Supreme Court jackassery. This is Tyler from Relentless Daring, and I am launching the brand new RelentlessDaring.com merch Shop. Instead of having to go to a third-party vendor, now you can do everything right there at RelentlessDaring.com. If you want to buy merch, go to RelentlessDaring.com shop, and there you can get hats, you can get t-shirts, you can get hoodies, you can get coffee cups, you can get stickers. Go there today to show your love for the Relentless Daring podcast. And as always, stay relentless. Drizzly is the leading home alcohol delivery service available. Imagine being able to sit at home and pull up your smartphone and browse your favorite wine, beer, spirits, and then have it delivered to your home in as little as one hour. Go to drizzly.com or check out the link in the show notes and start shopping today. Not available in all areas. Please drink responsibly. Drizzly.com. All right, so, like I said, getting back into it and, oh, the wonderful, wonderful awesomeness of our amazing Supreme Court, our 6-3 majority, the majority that was going to turn SCOTUS on its ear because everything is going to be ruled one way for the next 50 years. Y- yeah, that's really not happening. Um... There was an injunction asked for on the CDC being given the authority by presidential dick-tate that they could just stop landlords from kicking people out of their houses. Huh, that's odd. That's weird that, you know, a Trump appointee wrote the ruling that upheld it. Then, here just the other day, oh, we'll back up a little bit. About a month ago, University of Indiana said that, yeah, all students coming to this public land-grant university must have the vaccination to attend classes. And several students filed suit saying that, hey, um, hello, bodily autonomy, my body, my choice, hello. And it was ruled that, well, it may be your body, but it's not your college, so you have to go by their rules. And, okay, those kids were kind of, Miff, so their attorney, who by many accounts is kind of a grifter when it comes to the uh, you know world of conservatism, you know, he's kind of incensed on this one. He he may be one of those weird Republicans who's pro abortion, I don't know. I don't know much about him. I heard an interview with him on uh Steve Dace show on The Blaze he seemed okay, but you know, Steve kind of, you know, kept him at arm's length, maybe a couple arms lengths away. I, I and it explained their history, but I digress. So, the, anyways, after the uh, the ruling in Indiana, they appealed for an emergency injunction to the Supreme Court. That went to former Indiana resident. Amazingly strong Catholic mother of I don't know how many kids and, you know, these adopted kids, these adopted twins. And, oh, my gosh, she's just so amazing. She's a staunch Catholic, Amy Coney Barrett, who promptly denied the injunction. Wait, what? I, I I thought this was the stuff that you stood for that that you were pro personal freedoms, personal liberties. Well, it, again, it turns out that that stance only gets you so far with a judge. And I've been seeing some articles on this. And oh, the left never disappoints. Well, I'll tell you why the left never disappoints. Because they're all crazy. They're on the same crazy train, they're all drinking from the same poison punch. So there's never any question that, you know, yeah, is it? Sonia Sotomayor is going to rule a certain way. Kay Hagan, on the other hand, Kay Hagan, Auntie Kay, she's more likely to go, ah, no, this is dumb. I'm ruling with those guys over there. She is the only Democrat in recent history that has been more than willing to, um, buck the party line to actually rule, you know, constitutionally. Perhaps many of her rulings, many of her uh, votes on issues that come before the court, maybe she is looking at through a constitutional spectrum, but she's just coming to a different conclusion than the conservatives who are voting against her. I, I don't know. I can't read how she thinks. No one's written a book about how she thinks, about how she reasons her rulings and how she decides things. But she has been a pleasant surprise from the left. Now we go to the right. For years, John Roberts, Chief Justice of the Supreme Court of the United States of America, he has been... mm, at best a squish at worst he's been he's been a chino CINO conservative in name only. We've seen this where he's had the opportunity to make a constitutional ruling on Obamacare. Is this a direct tax against American citizens for not taking? I'm sorry. Sorry for not volunteering to accept medical insurance where in the past had never been required to have it before. And John Roberts literally rewrote the law to oh, it's not a mandate, it's a tax. It's a tax you are exempt from if you get insurance that meets the proper coverages. Huh, weird. You have Neil Gorsuch. Neil Gorsuch is the first of Donald Trump's appointees who is a has a bit of a libertarian streak to him. So every now and then there's rulings where you can expect that he's going to rule against his fellow conservatives. I'm using this, the finger quotes there because he will rule in favor of liberty, of personal freedom. Granted, he's had some rulings where, you know, he wrote the opinion, and the opinions were incredibly uh, narrow. I'm looking specifically at the, uh, at the, at the cake shop owner in Denver, where the ruling was basically, yeah, it's not that they did anything wrong with going after him for refusing to bake the cake. It's how they went after him for refusing to bake the cake. They need to come up with a better plan on how to persecute him. That's basically the ruling. He, he essentially said, you got to do it X, Y, and Z while you rub your head and pat your tummy or, or rub your tummy and pat your head to make these things stick. Like, oh, well, that's odd. And then as I brought up about Amy Coney Barrett. Of course, then again, I think one of the big arguments that is being lost in all of this is the idea of bodily autonomy. You know, the abortion argument loves my body, my choice, my body, my choice. My body, my choice came to the forefront in in 1972 when Roe v. Wade was decided. So my question is, in these vaccine cases where I want to go to this college, I I was offered a scholarship for this college, but I can't go because I will not get the vaccine. Why aren't they arguing my body, my choice, from the premise of Roe versus Wade? Because if you do that, then you get to bring Roe vs. Wade into question. Like wait. Either yes, it is one hundred percent your body your choice, or you don't have a choice in things at all. Because that sometimes that's the only way to win these arguments is you take the premise of the argument from the other side and then you turn the premise on its ear and then use it back on the people bringing it up. Again, like I said, using Roe versus Wade to defend my body, my choice when it comes to vaccinations. And I know it's a scary thought because... Oh my God, they could, they could affirm Roe versus Wade. Yeah, I know. But once you use Roe versus Wade to defend a similar principle, because yes, it is your body. It is your choice on to take a vaccine. Then you come back at it and you're trying to take it down again. You you know, yeah, your body carrying the baby the term that that baby is not your body the baby growing inside of you is not a parasite it's not a hookworm that needs to be poisoned and removed from your system it's not a tick it's not x y and z it's not a virus or bacteria it's a person Granted, it is a person in physical development. But still, we, we we don't declare that someone is less of a person because, ooh, yeah, um, you've got that extra chromosome and it's causing you to have Down syndrome. Sparky, yeah, you're not really a person anymore. We don't say, ooh, yeah, uh, genetics gave you way more melanin than I did, so you're not a person. You're not evolved enough to not need the amount of melanin that your body has. This was an actual argument made in The Origin of Species and The Descent of Man from one Charles Darwin. Princess D says it's a clump of cells. Get it right. I don't know why he's sniffing. I think I think might be think Washington may have some uh, allergies messed with you know, me. Uh, get some nose spray. It might help. Just saying. It's offering words of advice. But yeah, Donald Trump failed at packing the court. He put on three judges. Who have <laughs> notoriously bad rulings? you know sometimes there are a ruling that we agree with, but the but the margin of victory was so narrow and so focused it didn't really have broad overarching results again the 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 cake bakery you know, the whole bake the cake bigot argument when it came before the Supreme Court. It wasn't a overarching. If it's your business, if it's your intellectual property, making these cakes, your artistic ability, you don't have to make it available to someone just because of who they have sex with. No, it wasn't that. It was a very narrow, yeah, um, the way they came about going after him was wrong. You should do it this way next time. Wait, what, you're giving them a playbook? What the hell? Great job, Neil. Great job. Living up to your name, buddy. All right, and the coup de grace for today's show. We all know who Snopes.com is. It, it has a, it has a storied past. I mean, it was a husband and wife. They started the website because they just they just wanted to fact be able to fact check you know urban legends and myths they heard on the interwebs and you know, make this available and you know do their part to make the make the internet a safer place. Well. <laughs> this is a BuzzFeed article. This article is what um, Rush Limbaugh would call scattered showers of journalism. The co founder of Snopes wrote dozens of plagiarized articles for the fact checking site. David Mickelson, co-founder of the fact-checking website Snopes, has long presented himself as the arbiter of truth online, a bulwark in the fight against rumors and fake news. But he has been lying to the site's tens of millions of readers. A BuzzFeed News investigation found that between 2015 and 2019, four years, four years, Mickelson wrote and published dozens of articles containing material plagiarized from news outlets such as The Guardian and The L.A. Times. After inquiries from BuzzFeed News, Snopes conducted an internal review and confirmed that under a pseudonym, the Snopes byline, and his own name, Mickelson wrote and published 54 articles with plagiarized material. I mean, come on! How much do you do you have to pay now? That you um, uh, you know, you've been outed as stealing other people's articles. The articles include topics such as same-sex marriage licenses and the death of musician David Bowie. Snopes vice president. Vice president of editorial and managing editor Doreen Marchione, suspended Mickelson from editorial duties, pending, quote, a comprehensive internal investigation, end quote. Here remains an officer and a 50% shareholder of the company. Quote, Our internal research found a, a total of 54 stories Mickelson published at used appropriated material, including all of the stories BuzzFeed shared with us. Marchione and Snopes Chief Operating Officer Vinnie Green said in a statement, Let us be clear. Plagiarism undermines our mission and values, full stop. It has no place in any context within this organization. (laughs) Oh, keep in mind. What BuzzFeed ran covered four years. Snopes has been around a lot longer than four years. Snopes editorial staff disavowed Mickelson's behavior in a separate statement signed by eight current writers. We strongly condemn these poor journalistic practices. We work hard every day to uphold the highest possible journalistic and ethical standards. Snubs told BuzzFeed News that it plans to retract all of the offending stories and disable advertising on them. It will also, also append an editor's note of explanation to each. Mickelson, when reached for comment, said... Quote, there's no excuse for my serious lapses. Apparently he was yawning when he said it. There was no excuse for my serious lapses in judgment. I'm sorry. All right, so here's some of the comments that he wrote. So I was browsing the news and came across an article on CBS News' website about a horrific crime involving a Memphis woman charged with killing four of her children by slitting their throats with a butcher knife. Hmm, I wondered as I pondered the headline, Memphis Mom Charged with Grizzly Butchering of Four of Her Kids. Did this woman murder her children in bear-like fashion, or was the mother of extremely advanced age? Really? It's not a good joke. That's um from July 3rd, 2016. Meet Jeff Zetanandia. Zadon, During a brief but memorable career, his byline, which linked to a bio detailing his Pulitzer Prize, and his skill at mule skinning, appeared on at least 23 Snopes articles on topics like Donald Trump's financial woes and false rumors about Hillary Clinton. His reporting made enemies of hoaxers and fabulous across the political spectrum, including former Trump campaign advisor Roger Stone and the late fake news kingpin Paul Horner, both of whom were unaware of his true identity. It's just a David Mickelson alt, Snopes former managing editor, Brooke Binkowski. That almost sounds like a made up name. Brooke Binkowski explained what BuzzFeed News inquired. He used to write about topics he knew would get him hate mail under that assumed name. Plus, it made it appear he had more staff than he had. Between 2015 and 2019, Mickelson regularly plagiarized reporting from other news outlets in an effort, he said, to scoop up traffic. In an interview with BuzzFeed News, Mickelson attributed this behavior to his lack of formal journalism experience. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Seriously? I'm not exactly what you would call a formally trained journalist. I'm not exactly a political pundit. I'm just a dude who gets really aggravated listening to podcasts. And radio shows all week, where we're talking about all the stupid in the news. At least I can find the wherewithal to go. Well, I'm doing this show to say this article is from blank. This article is from blank most of the time. I will attribute where I'm getting it from. It's not that freaking hard. It's it's absolutely insane that you just brushes it off as, oh, I wasn't, I was used to doing news aggregation. Uh-huh. A number of times I crossed the line where it was copyright infringement. In an explanation about the website's practices, Snopes informs readers that it follows all industry guidelines for transparency and reporting. We think being transparent with readers is the coolest. But the fact that Zaranandia was in fact Mickelson was not disclosed anywhere on the site. Following BuzzFeed News inquiry, Zaranandia author page has been removed, and the Zaranandia byline has been replaced with Snopes staff. (laughs) <laughs> oh, really? Founded in 1995 by Mickelson and his then-wife, Barbara Hamel, Snopes bills itself as the Internet's definitive fact-checking site. And a two-time Webby Award winner cited by the likes of the New York Times and the Washington Post. It serves as one of the Facebook's fact-checking partners between December 2016 and February 2019. But in recent years, the site has been troubled by a bitter ownership dispute. Mickelson's alias flies in the face of the site's mission, once described by the New York Times as a quest to debunk misinformation online. It also highlights his penchant for trolling, something he was known for in the early 90s when he posted on Usenet forums under the handle Snopes. At that time, he was so strongly associated with trolling, even tricking advice columnist Ann Landers into running several prank letters, that the practice was sometimes referred to as snoping. Oh my gosh, it's... Yeah, here's a guy who made his early online career out of trolling and somehow were shocked that... Huh. He's stealing other people's hard work? Really? Who would have thought it? And in a world where we already have enough questions about the uh, the authenticity of fact-checkers about their ability to, you know, check facts and not be biased one way or the other, considering that the institute that actually... You know, blesses off on who is a fact checker or not. They once got sued because they included uh, outlets like the Washington Examiner and the Blaze in a list of fake news sites. That's who we're being left with to to determine who is the arbiter of all that's good and holy on the internet. And so this really calls into question a lot of that when you know you have sites that are, you know, actively stealing the stories from other places, and because they have employees who are really good with making sure their stuff gets on the top of Google whenever someone does a search on it. It's just all, not about aggregating news, it's about aggregating clicks. And you aggregate clicks, that comes down to money. And in the end, it's always, always, always all about the Benjamins. Alright, so that's gonna wrap it up for tonight's show. Again, those of you in the live room, thank you so very much for joining me and listening live on podbean.com or the podbean app. Those of you who are listening on podcast, thank you so very much for giving me your time, your attention, and I would just ask for a little bit more. If you're especially if you're on Apple, listening on Apple Podcast, you click the rate and review, please leave five stars. I'll accept four but I prefer five, three. I might be willing to work with again, prefer five. After that, go ahead, write a nice review. That way people know that you actually kind of enjoy the show. Except for that one guy, he's kind of an a-hole, but Hey, you know what? It's cool. He listened. Actually probably didn't listen, but he wrote a review and he gave me a whole whopping one star. It's great. Whatever. So once you've done that, you've you subscribed, you've liked it, you've you know rated it, you've reviewed it. Now share it, send it, send the link of this episode or the podcast general to someone you love. I you go to my social media, you'll find a link tree link in the bio. That way, it can get you links to all of the places you can find this podcast or the other one, the Whiskey Pod. Check it out too, please. Again, rate, review, share. I I see you over there. I see you ignoring me. Hey, turn around. Over it. Anywhos, now that they're done ignoring me over there and they're starting to share that other podcast, again, thank you so much for listening. If you want to support this podcast, this is all completely listener-funded. You know, listeners, they go, you know, Built Bar, Drizzly, and now uh, Taquito Chow. You buy there, you know, using my stuff, and then I get a percentage, and it comes back, it goes in the show. You go to the merch shop at RelentlessDaring.com, you buy hats and t-shirts and stuff, and that goes back into the show. Or if you would just want to directly support the show without having to go through a middleman, if you go to RelentlessDaring.com at the top of the page, you will see a donate now button click that sucker and you will get a choice of a one-time or a recurring donation. You take your pick on what you want to do. You can, like I said, you can set up the one-time payment. Boom. Thank you so very much. Or you set the recurring payment. And then, then every month, boom again, thank you so very much. I have a handful of those. It's awesome. For those of you who keep this thing going, you're buying all the nice new stuff that's sitting on my desk right now. It's amazing. It's all because of you and everything you put into the show to make me make this show better. Because if I don't make it better, you'll go somewhere else, give them your money. And I would rather have your money than them. For being honest again. Thank you so much for listening. And as always stay relentless. This is Relentless Dairy on Podbean.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince.